Today's scripture reading is from 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 12. Hear the word of the Lord. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one is speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as one body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It's good to be with you all this morning. So if you haven't been with us for a minute or you just joined us, we've been in a new series called The Story of the Spirit. So we're tracking the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible, throughout the Old and New Testament, and then into our lives. And so the first week we talked about the Spirit as creator. And we looked at the beginning of Genesis for that. And last week Gabe preached on the Spirit as new life giver. And we were in Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones for that. And this week, we, are moved, we have moved into the New Testament. And based on the scripture that was just read, you should be clued into what we're talking about today. This morning, we're going to be talking about the Spirit as gift giver. We're talking about spiritual gifts. And as we begin, I want to say that this is not my final word on spiritual gifts. And I will not answer everyone's questions on spiritual gifts this morning. There's a lot of them. I can't do that in 30 minutes. I'm sorry. I'm not that good. And just to give you a heads up, Gabe could probably do that. I can't do that. And just to give you a heads up, this sermon might feel more like a teaching because I think there's a lot that we have to consider when we want to think rightfully, truthfully, and biblically about spiritual gifts. And most importantly, I want to acknowledge that we all come in with our own experiences and stories. We bring that into this space. If you're someone who has run in Christian circles for some time, there are a variety of reactions you could have had when you realized that was the scripture that was being read and you realized that words were showing up like tongues, prophecy, miracles. There's a variety of reactions. Like your, your antennas could have been raised a little bit. And the topic of spiritual gifts, and in particular the sign gifts or the miraculous gifts like I just listed, th- this is a topic where we begin to tread lightly. Why? Well, as I said before, we all bring our various backgrounds into this conversation. Experiences, or we, we might not have had experiences. We have 
we, we have different denominational backgrounds, and we, some of us have had very particular church cultures that we've existed in throughout our work, our walk with Jesus, and we have been informed by that culture. Some of us hold very tightly to a particular theological alignment in order to make sense of those gifts. And I also want to point out that there are some of us here who might not know what spiritual gifts are, and that's totally okay, because a lot of us are confused about what spiritual gifts are. Where do our spiritual gifts begin, and then where do our talents end? How do you distinguish between the two? Some of us might even have fear and some real existential questions when it comes to this topic. And some of us, when we think of the miraculous gifts, such as miracles and healings and prophecy, we think that these only manifest themselves over in Africa or somewhere else, and so we'll let them exist over there, and we'll stay comfortably away here in the United States. And finally, depending on your background, some of us have experienced the abuse of spiritual gifts. And so we're understandably hesitant to even dip into this conversation this morning. The point I want to underline is this. We all come with our own experiences and preferences and backgrounds on this topic. We bring with us our stories, our own formation, our own positive and negative experiences, and even our confusion. And I want to share my experience with you, just so you, just so you know my background. I was raised in a Christian home with, a really loving, um, with really loving parents, godly parents. I would say it wasn't until college that the Christian faith was my own. In my freshman year of college, there was this spiritual charismatic revival that was happening on my college campus. I went to a gathering and I had an encounter with God that I really couldn't explain. What I came to realize through this encounter was that the God of the Bible, he's not a moralist. He's not a disappointed father that's wagging his finger at me, telling me to do better. This God loved me deeply, and he gave his son for me, and he knows me intimately. So when I encountered Jesus, it was really within that kind of context and culture. And before I went to seminary, I actually spent six weeks at a charismatic ministry training school that trained people to operate in the prophetic, in tongues, and in healing. So I share that with you, not to say that that is the place I'm coming from this morning. That's not why I'm sharing that. No, I share with you so that you know that I have a background that I bring with me. I have positive and I have negative experiences regarding some of the things I'm going to be talking about this morning. And I might, I might add that a decent amount of time in seminary was spent trying to clarify and to deconstruct some of the things that I had learned in my particular ministry context before, before seminary. And I think just as a quick aside, before we get into it here, I think there's sometimes an over-demonization of deconstruction. I don't think all deconstruction is bad. And I don't think that's the case. Like, deconstruction can be healthy, but conversely, there's an over-glorification of deconstruction. That a form of deconstruction can lead us really into intense like epistemological questions. We make a lot of leaps, and then that leaves us floundering and in a greater place of confusion. It's my intention with this conversation this morning that in some ways our time together is an example of healthy clarification and healthy deconstruction. Because what I want to happen this morning is that we each bring our experiences, we bring our preferences, we bring what we've been taught, and we gather those things, and we bring them with us into our passage. If we do that, then we can see for ourselves what lines up with Scripture and what doesn't. 
If you're wondering why I think this is so important, you're like, Ben, you're asking me to gather up things I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, let me give you some examples of like popular Christian teaching that exists nowhere in the Bible. Popular Christian teaching on spiritual gifts that exists nowhere in the Bible. This list was generated by a couple of really excellent New Testament scholars that are broadly trusted within the academic field. This is just some common misunderstandings. A common misunderstanding is that spiritual gifts are given at the time of conversion and do not change in someone's lifetime. That's nowhere in the Bible. A common misunderstanding is that Christian maturity is hampered if we don't know what our gifts is, gifts are or is. Another is that our gift defines our identity. So this means like, I am a teacher. That our gifts are primarily linked to roles and offices in the church. That the more extraordinary gifts, such as like the miraculous gifts, tongues, prophecy, or healings, are indications of a more mature spiritual life. That's not true. That gifts have little to do with our natural capabilities, what we would call talents. That gifts define the character of personal ministry of each Christian. So in other words, that my gifts are these in particular, and so I'm not going to do those other things. That gifts emphasize, or that emphasis on spiritual gifts may threaten the unity of the church. And that the lists of gifts in the New Testament are definitive and exhaustive. Exhaustive. So this is a lot of misunderstanding. And some of that might have struck you, some of it might not have. But where does this leave us? We need to begin to wrap our minds and hearts around what the Bible says and does not say about spiritual gifts. And listen, Paul does not want us to be uninformed. In fact, that's, that's the first thing that he says in our passage, if you were listening. He starts, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Paul wants to help the Corinthian church wrap their minds and their hearts around the spiritual gifts, and he wants to help us do the same. So let me give you a quick context to the local church in Corinth he was writing to. This church was an absolute mess. There was infighting and tribalism. There was gross immorality that I'm not even going to talk about here. You can read it in the letter. There were lawsuits between members of the church. There were divisions about dress codes. There was getting drunk on the wine in the Lord's Supper. Hierarchies based on wealth and so much more. So I don't know about you, but this is not a church I would want to go to. So Paul is writing this letter in a response to the letter the church had, church had already written to him about some of these issues. And what's interesting is that Paul does not tell them to get their stuff in order and then go dip into the spiritual gifts. No, this is just one way that he instructs them in order for them to flourish as a local church. And here's in one sentence what I hope you hear this morning. You are uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit for God's mission. You are uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit for God's mission. And we're going to see that we are uniquely gifted, both personally and communally, in three different ways. And the first way is this. You are uniquely gifted with God's Spirit for others. You are uniquely gifted with God's Spirit for others. Look with me at the first three verses of chapter 12. I'm going to read them again. Paul starts off this way. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. In these verses... Paul is answering two very important questions for us. And the first question is this. Who is uniquely gifted for God's mission? Who is it? Who's uniquely gifted? Well, Paul does not answer that 
by saying that the particular people who are gifted with prophecy and tongues and healings, that those are the people who are uniquely gifted. That's not how he answers that question. He does not saying that at all. For Paul, it's much different. Paul is saying those people who are uniquely gifted are those who declare Jesus as Lord. That's what he's saying. Every person who says Jesus is Lord is uniquely gifted by the Spirit. And why does this make sense? Because if you proclaim and profess that Jesus is Lord, and you're not just saying that in an ironic or mocking way, then this means you have received Jesus as your King and as your Savior. And for Paul, the profession of saying Jesus is Lord is evidence that you have the Holy Spirit in you, and then you are empowered by the Spirit. That profession of faith is the evidence that you have the Spirit inside of you. And on a side note, Paul is clarifying that the Spirit of God never leads someone to say something that's dishonoring to God. That's never the Spirit. That's the way that we discern what is the Spirit of God and what is not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is never going to, dif- to dishonor himself. It's that simple, right? A house divided cannot stand. So the first question that Paul is answering in these verses is that every Christian, each of us here, is uniquely gifted by the Spirit. And the second question he's answering is this. What are spiritual gifts actually? That's the other question he's answering. And to get this answer, we actually have to dig a bit deeper. And so this might get nerdy for a second. In the original language the New Testament was written in, there are two words that are used to describe spiritual gifts. These words are often translated in the same way. So when you read your English translation, they, they read the same way. And that's okay because they're very similar. And they together mean something like matters of the Spirit or manifestations of the Spirit. So the term spiritual gifts is really like a holding term for something that's like a little bit larger of a translation. So let me give you a concise definition of spiritual gifts. And what I'm about to give you is a definition that church fathers and theologians would use to define spiritual gifts. Here it is. It's a little bit wooden, so just bear with me. Concerning the forms of action, concerning the forms of action which proceed from the Holy Spirit, and make manifest his agency. It's a bit wooden, isn't it? A bit complicated. But, it's, but it also gives some clarity concerning the forms of action which proceed from the Holy Spirit. So the things that move from the Holy Spirit and then make manifest himself, that reveal what he's doing. So if we use this definition on the screen, then it makes clear that spiritual gifts, they actually have nothing to do with just being generally spiritual. I think that's what some people think. When they think of spiritual gifts, they just think, oh, it makes me generally more spiritual. Well, in fact, when Paul wrote his letter, he would not have known the word spiritual. That word has been invented through church, like throughout history, as in some way to like clarify what are spiritual things and what are not spiritual things. What Paul knows is the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul knows. And why is that important? What is the role of the Spirit? The Spirit's role is not generally to make us more spiritual. It's not just to make us like ethereal or just a little bit more spiritual. The role of the Spirit is very particular. It is to transform us into the image of Jesus. That's what the Spirit does. And so when we think of spiritual gifts, we see that these things are manifestations of the Spirit at work within us. Spiritual gifts are manifestations of the Spirit that are forming us, who is, the Spirit is forming us into the image of Jesus and then revealing himself to the world around us. This is what's also clear. The emphasis of the spiritual gifts are not on human people. 
They are on the Spirit of God. The emphasis is on the abilities that believers are given through the Spirit of God. So the idea of it being a gift can kind of be misleading based on some of us and how we like interpret that. It, it could be misleading if it thinks, if, we, if it leads us to think that it gives us some special abilities that we then take ownership of, that we use to define our identity rather than the way that God expresses his grace to you and to the world around you as energized and directed by his spirit. So in other words, we have no ownerships over spiritual gifts, over these manifestations of the Spirit. These are undeserved graces from God, and they speak to the goodness of the gift giver and not any merit of our own. They speak, to, they speak about God and for him, not about us. Peter says it this way, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very, very grace. He's saying we're just stewards. And Paul later says in our passage in verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So do you see, we really shouldn't say something like these are my gifts, like we have some kind of ownership of it. We are stewards of the spirit. And these manifestations of the spirit or spiritual gifts, they speak to the goodness of God, not our own giftedness. Paul is telling you, you are uniquely gifted by the spirit for others. The Spirit lives in you and manifests Himself in a unique way. But what does this mean practically? And why should all of this matter? Well, I think it answers a question that we all usually have, and this is it. How do I figure out what my spiritual gifts are? That might be a question that we all have at some point in our walk with Jesus. How do I figure out what my spiritual gifts are? And I've spent a lot of time, as a pastor, I've spent a lot of time with people who spend a lot of time searching for their spiritual gifts. It's almost like they consume themselves in a search for their gifts. They need to find the right questionnaire, need to do the right Bible study. Or, and it ultimately takes a lot of time, and it doesn't get them very far. And what we don't realize that is unhelpful in this approach is that we're often equating spiritual gifts with our own identity, and they become hallmarks of who we are. And they're not really supposed to be like that. In fact, I don't necessarily think, I actually don't think you need to necessarily know what your spiritual gifts are in order to serve God effectively. Why? Because we don't own them. We don't possess them. Gifts are manifestations of the Spirit. So instead of being consumed with the search for what kind of gifts I might have, I am better off by just becoming more involved in serving. Because as I serve, my particular contribution to the body of Christ will become apparent. The ways in which the Spirit is manifesting Himself in me uniquely will become apparent to myself and to the people around me over time. So even more, as we serve, we'll grow and adapt to become better conduits of God's grace and his Holy Spirit for the world around us. And you might have the question, well, Ben, what do you think about questionnaires then? What about spiritual gift surveys? And I'm not going to go on a rant about the questionnaires or spiritual gift surveys. I actually think they can be helpful to, to a lot of people. But they really shouldn't be regarded as categorical or like, they, they should really just be a starting point. It can be an indication of where the Spirit is manifesting Himself in our lives. So ultimately, the way we discover the gifts of the Spirit is through service to others. It's through giving of ourselves. So if you don't like, or if you don't feel like you know where the gifts of the Spirit are in your life, then I encourage you to serve. And if you serve within our church context, let me encourage you about something. 
Here at the downtown campus, our church programs, they're not just programs for programming's sake. We don't do that. We create structure. We create programs in order that we might serve one another, that we might care for one another, that we might be able to do that in the unique ways that God has gifted us. It's all to serve the mission. So I encourage you, I mean, you could serve by leading a community group. We need community group leaders. Where, this is where you're stewarding a small community of Christians in their relationship with each other and with Jesus. Or serve in children's ministry to care for our little ones and to care for our families. Or join our greeting team so that folks are welcomed well into our little church. Over time, you'll discover how the Spirit has uniquely gifted you to serve others. So the first way we are uniquely gifted is that we're uniquely gifted with God's grace for others. And then this is the second thing. We are uniquely gifted for a diverse unity. Look with me again at what Paul is saying. And it'll be up on the screen behind me in verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. One thing is clear. There's one Spirit. And that Spirit does not mean uniformity. And that's the beauty of the Spirit. The, the Spirit loves diversity. The beauty of the Spirit is not its sameness. It's the diversity of its expression. And, and we see this in the church. The beauty of the church is not its sameness, but the diversity of people and the talents and the spiritual gifts that are brought into this place through the Holy Spirit. The scholar D.A. Carson, he says it this way, Dictators of the right and the left seek to establish their brand of harmony by force by forcefully imposing monotonous sameness, by seeking to limit differentiation, God establishes his brand of harmony by a lavish grant of highly diverse gifts, each contributing to the body as the whole. You see, each of us here are gifted to exercise the gifts of the Spirit in very unique ways. And when we exercise these gifts in the particular ways that the Spirit has given us, we bring glory to God and we celebrate the diversity of the Spirit. God celebrates that too. God has given you, by His Spirit, a unique role to play. Let me go back to and read the list of gifts starting in the beginning of verse 8. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, and to another the working of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the ability to distinguish between the spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. This can be confusing. It trips us up a little bit. How are we to make sense of the list of gifts that Paul talks about here? We're going after it. Well, this is not a complete list of gifts. He's only sampling gifts. In Romans, Paul lists other gifts, and many of those aren't as radical as the ones here. He talks about teaching, encouragement, mercy, leading, and more. So in our passage, Paul is offering a diverse list so the church will not focus and overemphasize on just one. Right after this, Paul talks about how the human body has different parts of its body, right? And other parts do their jobs, and other parts rely on other parts to do their job, and so the whole body functions as it should, right? Well, the same goes for the body of Christ. We rely on a diversity of gifts that the Spirit gives us 
And so now I'm not going to spend time describing prophecy or tongues or healing to you. Like Christians, particularly in evangelicalism, we have debated the role and place of those gifts. We're not going to do that today. And we should always be open to the Spirit. We should eagerly desire to partner with the Holy Spirit, as Paul encourages us. He says, brothers, in, verse, uh, in chapter 14, he says, brothers, eagerly pursue the spiritual gifts. The primary point Paul is making here is that we shouldn't prioritize some gifts over others. Some of the gifts that Paul lists here are ones that we don't often talk about today. And some of you might feel the Holy Spirit is leading you in some of those ways. If so, come talk to a pastor. We'd love to walk with you alongside of that. But again, what does this mean for us practically? And here's a question I think it answers. Are there gifts that are better than others? The short answer and the long answer is no. We are uniquely gifted for diverse unity. The gifts of the Spirit are best expressed in extraordinary diversity. And Paul says it's good to desire spiritual gifts, but there is never shame for those who are in Jesus who God has given his Spirit. And whenever the topic of spiritual gifts comes up, some people feel shame that they haven't seen God's Spirit manifest in a particular gift. And I just want to say right now, there is no shame for those who are in Jesus and who have his spirit. God has gifted us beautifully in a diverse unity. And we are so much better off as his body if we embrace that diversity, both personally and community, communally. And it's also true that some spiritual gifts might have the allure of maturity. For example, people often look to those who have the spiritual gift of teaching, like they are somehow more mature than others. That's not necessarily the case at all. And we see that as there are moral failures and pastoral failures throughout our nation, right? The person running the live stream could be, and knowing Reuben actually this morning, he is much more mature Christian than I am. Being in this position lends itself to more attention, but that does not equate to maturity. We are uniquely gifted for a diverse unity. We are uniquely gifted with God's grace for others. And last, we are uniquely gifted for mission on Sunday and Monday. Look with me at what Paul says in verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Paul is saying that spiritual gifts are used to bless others, both on Sunday and on Monday. It is true that some spiritual gifts are unique to building up the body of Christ, but spiritual gifts are never less than that. They're always, they're most likely more than that. So here's the question I want to answer. Are there differences between spiritual gifts and our talents? For many of us, we get confused here. I get confused here. Where do my talents begin and where do spiritual gifts end? What's the distinction between the two? Is there one? Well, the distinction that Paul makes is that spiritual gifts are not like talents or natural ability. They aren't things that are ingrained within our DNA. Spiritual gifts are supernatural motivations. They're supernatural capabilities brought about by the Spirit of God. But here's the rub. That does not make them more important than our God-given talents. Those are the things that God has given us, and they are within our own DNA. So when we think of the whole of our lives and vocations, God very much uses both of our talents and the gifts of, our, of the Spirit to work through us. And because he uses both, it's, it's not easy to separate the two. Let me give you an example. 
When we think of the term ministry, we often have an unhelpful sacred-secular divide in mind. When we think of ministry, we often think of pastoral ministry. But in the simplest sense of the word, ministry is any form of service for God. So your vocation, what God has called you to do, is a, is a form of ministry if it's done to serve God, which you're probably doing. In that respect, we all minister when we use our talents and we use our spiritual gifts for God. If we serve God by running a business, then what are we doing? We're using a wide range of talents and spiritual gifts. We use administration. We use creativity, technical expertise, leadership, mercy, giving. I could go on. Do you see how spiritual gifts and talents and abilities, they're all thrown together in the same pot. Both talents and spiritual gifts are used in ways that are so intertwined together that it's often difficult to find division between the gifts of the Spirit and our God-given talents. The Spirit might also use our natural talents and abilities and then supernaturally enhance them. Gabe just turned down the, uh, the AC. I'm sweating up here. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Gabe. <laughs> Thank you. All that to say, the line where one starts and the other ends is very blurred. God's design is that there is an integration of the gifts and our talents, not disintegration. His grace fills the whole of our lives so that we can have talents and spiritual gifts and use them seamlessly within our vocations. Dallas Willard, the philosopher, he says it this way. Let's say I'm a plumber and I'm going to clean out someone's sewer. How will I do this as Jesus would do this? If you encounter difficulties with the people you're serving or with the pipe or with the machinery, you never fight that battle alone. You invoke the presence of God. You expect to see something happen that is not the result of you. If you train yourself to thank God when those coincidences happen, you'll see them as patterns in your life. The crucial thing is to be attentive to God's hand not to get locked into the one-on-one -on -one thinking, it's me and this pipe. Never do that. Our spiritual gifts and our talents are molded together. They're intertwined together, and God uses them within our vocations. It is for that reason that I can confidently say you are uniquely gifted and empowered by God for his mission both on Sunday and Monday. So as we close our time together, I want to add one final thought, and it's this. Above all else, above all else, we are uniquely gifted by the Spirit with love. Above everything else, God has uniquely gifted us by His Spirit with love. So there are two places in 1 Corinthians where Paul talks about spiritual gifts. He talks about them in 1 Corinthians 12, and he talks about them in 1 Corinthians 14. And sandwiched in between those is one chapter, chapter 13. Paul has something very important to say there. And when we often think of storytelling or we think of letters, often we think that the very important thing comes at the end. Well, that's not Paul's writing style. For Paul, the most important thing comes in the middle. It's always sandwiched in between two other things. And so what does Paul say about spiritual gifts in chapter 13? He says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and all I have, and I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. 
Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Friends, our spiritual gifts might actually change throughout our lives. There might be seasons where the Spirit manifests Himself in different ways in us for the sake of those around us. Our vocations or aspects of our vocations might change throughout our lives. Most likely they will. Our talents might ebb and flow and shift and mold and express themselves in different ways throughout our lives. One thing will never change. We have been gifted by the Holy Spirit with love. That will never change. And this love from God, unlike things that will pass away, it endures all things. It bears all things. It believes all things and it hopes all things. We might never fully wrap our minds around the spiritual gifts, but we can always love. If we want to follow the story of the Spirit in our lives, then we know He will always lead us into the love of God and love of our neighbor. So spiritual gifts are undoubtedly important, but if we have them, but we don't have love, we've missed the mark. Let's pray for the Spirit to guide us in that direction. Would you bow your heads with me, please? God, we thank you for Paul's letter. We thank you that it's not just black words on white pages. It's words of life. Pray for clarity around our gifts. Holy Spirit, would you manifest yourself in our lives so we would take notice of you. Pray that each of us here and as a community, we would partner with you to express the diversity of the gifts that you have brought here, God, in a supernatural way. God, use our talents and our gifts in order to serve you and to serve those around us. We love you, God. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. Father, it's in the name of your Son and by your Spirit we pray these things. Amen.